For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Is it off to McCaffrey? There he goes! It's a C-Mac attack! This is Desmond Johnson on the Believe and Carolina Panthers podcast. Here on the Believe Podcast Network the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available in your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast on Twitter. And welcome into a week one recap episode of the believe in panthers podcast here on the believe podcast network desmond johnson kicking it here with you with sports illustrated uh panther beat writer skylar callahan skylar what's going on man you actually had some uh some football i saw some pictures from you on uh, social media in the vault at bank of america stadium uh fans in there what was that like yeah it was crazy it was it was nice to see wasn't quite full but i mean there was a, a, a good contingency there and uh, like you said, it was just it was good to be back and, and have full fans there and have real football. Last couple of weeks, we just kind of seen uh, maybe a quarter or so of real football. So now we got four quarters of it every week. I love it. it it's it's glad to be back. Well, I know for from experience, one of the reasons why uh, it might be that it wasn't full in their week one that it gets hot in Bank of yeah. America Stadium in the stands. <laughs> uh, the last time I went and was in the stands was the 2015 season. Uh, week three against Houston, I believe it was. Uh, it was the the game where Cam Newton kind of flipped into the end zone at the end. Uh, Josh Norman like intercepted a, a pass in the end zone or something to seal it. And me and my wife and two others were sitting in the end zone, and we were fried. Like I mean, we were like drenched in sweat. Like by the end of the first quarter, there was no shade whatsoever. Oh. Uh, it, it, I mean, it, it was like a one o'clock game in September. <laughs> so it was, I mean, I totally get it for some of those that didn't uh, end up at bank of America stadium, but you're right, man. It, it felt so good to see uh, actual people as opposed to uh, piped in sound. Uh, cutouts and <laughs> Yeah. And before we even get into our recap of, uh, of the actual game Panthers win over the jets, 19 to 14, by the way, to start off one and zero in the season, what were your thoughts? Have you seen it yet? The, um, the the Panthers, uh, what's it called? The 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 big Panther thing that was jumping around all over the stadium. Oh, the, yeah. the computer the thing they did. Yeah, yeah. What were your thoughts on that? Yeah, I thought it was really cool because I actually didn't notice it during the game. Um, they had it playing on the on the scoreboards, but where we sit in the press box, you can't really see but like the bottom corner of the scoreboard because of the second deck. So I had no idea that it, it had been played or anything until I got back home, and I was like. When the heck did this happen? But yeah, it was really cool. Um, I, I don't know how they do stuff like that. It, it blows my mind. But uh, the Panthers have done some really good things. Their, their social media teams also, if you haven't followed them on Twitter, follow them on there. They got yes. great content, Instagram as well. And, and now they're even kicking it up inside the stadium too with all those pregame stuff. 
Now, uh, I do need to mention that the Believe in Carolina Panther podcast is presented by Bet Online. Um, if you're into sports betting, Bet Online is where you should go to win money today, whether it's live bets during games or futures for who you think will win the championship. Bet Online has all the latest odds, news, and information for all your online sports betting needs. Visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before you so before the next big game, excuse me, head on over to Bet Online and start paying today. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. I think I said start paying today. Start playing today. You don't want to. They, <laughs> they, they, they don't want. They don't give them all your money now. But uh, <laughs> definitely go over to Bet Online and uh, start uh, getting into that. I saw a lot of like uh, like DraftKings commercials and stuff. I guess this whole uh, legalized gambling getting embedded into uh, professional sports is really starting to take place. Yeah, it is. I've seen a lot of uh, people that really I never thought would get into this kind of stuff, get into this field. And it kind of makes it interesting because, you know, all these pro gamblers and betters out there, they know what they're talking about. And then now that the there's more betters that come in and they move the line, it's kind of making it even harder for some of those those professionals out there. They call the sharks because they don't know where that money's coming from. Is it from these these guys that just throw money on a game just to watch it or what? So. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, better lines are going to take a lot of my money. If that's <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I already saw that uh, the Saints are coming into Charlotte next week as a three-point favorite uh, on the road to take on Carolina, two one-and-one teams, or excuse me, one-and-zero teams. Before we get into our recap on Panthers versus Jets, got one more little bit to get out the way here, and it's from uh, Balance Seven. Uh, Balance Seven is a pH balancing alkaline supplement uh, that can help you bounce back uh, a lot quicker, energy-wise. Uh, they have a promotion run right now with Believe, where if you go to their website at balance7.com, which is balance the number seven.com, and use the code Believe at checkout, you'll receive a free four ounce bottle of My Smooth Skin. Then you purchase a Balance Seven products. That product retails at $13.99. So it's definitely worth it. Head over to balance7.com, use the code Believe at checkout to get in on the promotion. And uh, now that we got that out the way, let's go ahead and get into what we witnessed on Sunday and uh, our three takeaways. Me and uh, Skylar each pull about two or three different takeaways. We'll go back and forth on these at the beginning part of this podcast. Just kind of things that we saw, things that stood out uh, in the Panthers game, an actual official regular season game. The Panthers start off 1-0. and I thought about something, Skylar, after the game was over that I want to say when the Panthers win their first game of the season, it's very, very good outcome-wise for the playoffs, at least for like the past like 10 years, it feels like. But when they start off 0-1, Typically, they don't make the playoffs. And I need to, I might try to do it while we're doing this podcast, but I'm trying to go back and look at least 10 years back and see the times they made the playoffs. Did they win week one? So I can give uh, Panther fans some sort of hope <laughs> about the season. Um, but let's get into our three takeaways and we can go back and forth here. We'll start off with you, Skylar. What was uh, one of the main, main takeaways you took from uh, Panthers versus Jets on Sunday? Yeah, well, I think I'll, I'll go ahead and get the, the obvious one out of the way. And I think that's the defense was probably as good or even Oof. better than we expected. I mean, <laughs> these dudes were flying around, making plays, getting pushed on the offensive line. They basically just tormented Zach Wilson all dang day, day all dang day long. Uh, they had six sacks, 10 QB hits, a ton of pressures. I mean, this is kind of what you expect when you have guys like Brian Burns and Hassan Reddick, Etor Grosmatos, Derek Brown, Daquan Jones. I mean, the list goes on and on, but they looked the part. And we have talked about this very many times that this could be a top 10 defense or a fringe top 10 defense in the league. They took that first step on Sunday. Now, again, I get it. I get that it's the Jets. They have their own issues, but 
they did what they're supposed to do. If they go out there and they give up 20 points and maybe get, you know, half a sack and two tackles for loss, then then we're going to be questioning ourselves. So I think they do what they're supposed to do. Obviously the real challenge comes this week with Jameis Winston and that, and that crew in new Orleans, but uh, definitely a great first step and and what a day honestly for Shaq Thompson. I think that was the best game he's ever played. Yes. And I, that was actually one of my takeaways was that, uh, not only did the defense play well, but they, they kind of felt like they came out with a certain swagger about them that I haven't really seen a yeah. Panther defense have since 2015. And and for those that follow the Panthers in 2015, that team collectively had a swagger about them, led by Cam Newton. But the defense had a swagger all to its own, and that was kind of led by Josh Norman. It was just kind of like we're gonna we're gonna have a lot of takeaways. We're gonna hit you in the mouth. You're not gonna run the ball on us. Uh, and that was the thing I noticed immediately on Sunday was that the Panthers have a dedication to stopping the run game. Now, part of that could be the Jets don't really have anyone to hand the ball off to that's well-established, and I'm going to get to that. That's one of my takeaways as well uh, in a bit. But uh, Shaq Thompson had an interception. Uh, he had 10 tackles. He had a sack. I almost had a second interception, uh, like the very next series, it felt like, like right after that first one there. Um, six different Panthers had sacks on Sunday. I, I saw more like stunts and like twists and things like with the interior defensive line with uh, uh, Derek Brown making his presence felt throughout the game, which was a welcome sight. You know, I feel like the announcers said his name a couple of times uh, yesterday. The Panthers, not only did they get their hands on uh, Zach Wilson, but even when they didn't get their hands on him, you could tell by the third quarter that he was starting to get frustrated at the pressure that was coming at him. Like he was walking over to the sideline and, you know, huffing and puffing. You could just tell body language-wise that he was getting really frustrated. Uh, and the Panthers did what they needed to do. Now, can they do this to, you know, the rest of the season or even next week? We don't know. It'll be a good test because the Saints' offensive line clearly is better than the Jets. And I, I don't I don't know if I could say Jameis Winston is better than Zach Wilson talent-wise, but he's more experienced. And with Sean Payton calling those plays, uh, it's going to be a different type of contest. Plus, they have Alvin Kamara, who, in my opinion, is probably the second best running back in the entire league uh, behind uh, Mr. Christian McCaffrey, which is actually one of my takeaways. Um, what's your one of your second takeaways from uh, Panthers versus Jets? Yeah, uh, I, I think the, the easiest one, or the next easiest one, would be addressing the offensive line, which that's still going to be a problem, I think. You know, you look at Cameron Irving at left tackle, Pat Elfline at left guard, and then the right guard situation, whether it be John Miller or Dennis Daly, there's a lot of uncertainty there and a lot of inconsistency. Now, Matt Paradis may not be a he may not be a top ten center in the league, but he's going to give you kind of what you expect. You know, it's kind of above average play, good enough to get the job done, and then you have Moten at right tackle. There was many times where I saw Pat Elfline get just bullied just straight up bullied and led up to and it, which led to some uh, pressures as well and then Cameron Irving on the left at left tackle he was put on skates at least twice maybe three times um where the defensive end just went to work on him. I don't know if that was Jonathan Franklin Myers or somebody else but yeah those two guys that left side of the line has to get better especially when you play New Orleans who has a very very good defense a very good defensive front and you're going to see a lot of good defensive fronts in, in the rest of this league and in the rest of the schedule. So those those areas have to get cleaned up. Sam Darnold has to have more time to throw the ball, scan the field. And, and I'll say this, Sam Darnold, um, which is kind of – I'll just kind of throw this in here now since it's kind of my last third point, but it goes with this. 
he did good enough. And I think he showed flashes of what he can be. He wasn't perfect by any means, but he made the throws he needed to, stayed in the pocket, delivered some really good throws. But if they were able to give him an extended look at the defense, I think you're going to start to see Sam Darnold put up some really, really big numbers. He's just got to have that protection up front. And really the other part of it was there were some drop balls by the receivers. There were some times where I don't really think Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore won their battles on the on the perimeter as much as they should have. I mean, that's a very inexperienced secondary that the Jets had, and I don't think that they took advantage of it. So that, that's kind of my whole synopsis, really, of the offense in week one. Yeah, I, I would agree with a lot of that. Um, you know, thinking back on it, watching the game, maybe it's because of the intensity the defense came out with, but I don't really recall ever being worried about Sam Darnold at any point in this game, yeah. whereas last year and <laughs> previous years, I've been like, like extremely worried <laughs> about the quarterback, no matter who it was, Kyle Allen, Teddy Bridgewater, Cam Newton. There'd be times where I'm just like, please don't turn this ball over or, or don't throw it to that guy. He, he's not on our team, you know, stuff like that. And I never, even though Sam Darnold uh, last year, I mean, he was an interception machine, uh, has been for most of his career, was ne has never been a 60% completion passer in the three years he's he's played. I never felt like it was because of him. I always felt like it was because of what was around him. And this, there's more talent around him right now in Carolina than probably ever in his like playing career. And it showed yeah. yesterday. Um, I, I saw some. I saw someone where they were talking about how people were complaining about Teddy Bridgewater checking down last year, uh, whereas it felt like Sam Darnold was doing it almost all the time yesterday. And to to that, I retorted, "Well, the problem to me was that Teddy felt like." It felt like Teddy was taking the check down first. Like he would just go straight right. to the check down and he wouldn't look around. There were plenty of times they showed one on instant replay where the announcers talked about it on CBS, where Darnold went through his read not once but twice and fell back on McC like he was trying to get it to McCaffrey, pump faked it to him, and then went through his reads again and came back to McCaffrey on the second pass after he'd already hit, you know, one, two, three, one, two, three, boom, and he throws it to McCaffrey for like a 15 yard gain up the field. If you've got Christian McCaffrey on your team, you kind of want to put the ball in his hands as much as possible, as much as he can take. And, you know, I mean, the kid's, what, 25, 24? Yeah. If you're going to overload him, you already paid him the bag. Do it now. Exactly. <laughs> There's no, what are you saving him for? Yeah, I mean, people are like, oh, we need to save his legs. We need this and that. He played three games last year. We saved his legs last year for this. <laughs> you know, like, I just don't understand the logic why people are like, oh, we need to save him. What are we saving him for? Like, what? what's – What's down the road that we're going to need Christian McCaffrey for that we didn't need him before to get to that point down the road? He clearly, to me yesterday, showed that he's the best running back in the NFL, bar none. I, like, I don't even know if I can put Alvin Kamara in the same area anymore as McCaffrey. Like, he, he looks faster. He looks a little bigger. Uh, clearly has the respect of defenses around the league. Um, he, he, led the, he led them in overall yards, in like 187 yards total for the game he, he is a weapon and as long as he stays healthy throughout the year and the defense plays the way they played I think Carolina's gonna have a lot of close games yeah I mean I, I think I think it was Joe Brady that said it last year that Christian McCaffrey's not a running back he's not a receiver he's just an offensive weapon and yeah that, that's that that couldn't be any more that couldn't be a better description uh for Christian McCaffrey because he can just do it all and to kind of go to your point when people start saying well they need to save his legs or save the amount of hits or whatever. You don't know what Christian McCaffrey is going to be like when he's 30 years old. Most exactly. running backs, by the time they get past the 27, 28-year-old range, 
start that decline. So why not maximize his best football right now while he still has it? Because you know that you can get a whole bunch out of him. Well, you might, you know, you're might, you're not going to probably get the same production out of him when he's 30, 32 years old. So take advantage of it now. Which, which is to me, the reason why they went ahead and extended him last year before the season started. And he got that deal, that 50 million plus dollar deal. Uh, and, and even then people are like, Oh, I don't know. But really, if you crunch the numbers, it's actually kind of a bargain for Carolina. I think it averages out to like 12 million a year or something like that. But like you said, to your point, you're not paying $12 million to a running back or $12 million a year to a wide receiver. You're paying $12 million to, in my opinion, a top five football player in the league. Like every team in the league would want Christian McCaffrey. Like that's yeah, kind of how I, you know, weigh it out. Like who would want this guy? Everybody. <laughs> Let's put it this way. He had 30 touches yesterday, 21 carries, nine catches. He had nine targets. So he caught everything thrown his way. <laughs> that means you're, you're saying that. <laughs> 30 punches and nearly 200 yards of total offense. That's the equivalent to two, maybe three starting skill players. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And you're paying 12 million a year. I'll take it all day. And people and people are like, where are you going to wear him out? He is saying he thinks he can keep this pace up. If he keeps this pace up, he'll shatter the record for uh, oh, yes. for like total touches in a, in a season or whatever from scrimmage. Uh, he'll probably shatter the scrimmage yards record as well. So on Sunday, he was two yards shy of a 100-yard rushing game. He was one catch shy of a 10 catch game. Uh, I mean, the dude is just the truth. Like he he reminds me of Marshall Falk, which is which is pretty cool because only Marshall Falk, uh, Roger Craig and McCaffrey, are the only three that have done the thousand thousand club thousand yards receiving thousand yards rushing in the same season. And he reminds me he doesn't run the same way as Falk. Falk kind of ran like he had eyes in the back of his head so he could make like jukes that you just didn't see coming. That I've never seen anybody else really do. But McCaffrey's got some. A little sprinkling of that. I think he's stronger than Marshall was. Uh, not as strong as Roger Craig. Roger Craig was like a full-size like man doing this stuff. Uh, but, yeah, I, I mean, the th- that brings me to my third uh, takeaway, actually. This whole conversation we're having right now where some of the Panther fans are like, you should save his legs or whatnot. I, I make the mistake the first half of the season of popping up on social media while the game is on just to kind of catch a vibe of, you know, what Panther fans are saying or, you know, what they're thinking. And it's always a mistake. <laughs> Every time I get on to do this, Never again. Panther fans expect the worst. I'm starting to realize this at the more detached I am as I'm more into the media, not just a fan anymore. But there were certain storylines that kept popping up on posts that I would see that would downplay what the Panthers were doing instead of just enjoying the game. So, like, they would do something. It'd be great, like, when Darnold ran it in for a touchdown or something like that or, or the long-bombed Robbie Anderson. and it, it, Be excited for your team. Most of what I saw online was, well, it's the Jets, so we got to kind of, you know, we got to temper this down. No, we don't. We were in the same boat as the Jets eight months ago. Like, yeah. why are we, <laughs> like, why are we, like, acting as if we're bigger than the Jets or uh, – we shouldn't be happy that we beat the Jets. The Jets get paid just like the rest of them do. They're, they're professionals also. So the whole, well, it was the Jets, that excuse I kept seeing pop up, that started to irritate me a little bit. The Christian McCaffrey save his legs thing when clearly they had no way to stop Christian McCaffrey, that bothered me a little bit. And people downplaying Sam Darnold's day. Like if if I read off like blindly and didn't actually give the name of the person that had the stat line. I'm trying to go back and find his, his stat line now or what he did yesterday. Uh, but if I if, if I just came up to you and was like, uh, hey, uh, so quarterback for the Panthers yesterday, 
you know, not too bad of a, get, a day. He, uh, let's see, where, where is he here? Let me find him real quick. I'm sorry. This is uh, great podcasting here. 24 for 35, <laughs> 24 for 35. So 69% completion rate, 279 yards in the, in the air, one passing touchdown, no interceptions, one rushing touchdown. I mean, but didn't put like a name to it. What would you say to that stat line? Yeah, I mean that that's that checks off the boxes right there. Yeah, I mean I'm like, well, it sounds like the Panthers probably won. They didn't turn the ball over. They, uh, it almost sounds like a stat line you would have wanted Cam Newton to have. You know, sixty nine percent completion, close to three hundred in the air, ran in a score, didn't turn it over, had a passing touchdown, let the defense finish it out. I mean that's literally what we just finished watching with Cam Newton, except for the sixty nine percent completion rate for like five years, and. Yeah. You put Sam Darnold's name beside it, though, and people are like, this is what I don't understand, uh, Skyler. Like, it's almost like Panther fans expect Sam Darnold to be like this, like, great right out the box quarterback where he just got beaten down for three years in, uh, in New York behind a, a non existent offensive line and really no skill positions beside him at all. The one he did have was Robbie Anderson, who's in Carolina now with him uh, this season. So, I don't understand the logic where people are trying to prop up Sam Darnold. And then those same people, I turn around and see them hyping Teddy Bridgewater, who apparently had a career day for uh, for Denver at the same time. Apparently, when the Panthers let players go, they go off and have fantastic uh, games as soon as we've let them go. And people forget why we wanted them out the door in the first place. Hey, Joey Sly was perfect for Houston. Yeah. <laughs> he fixed the kicking issues that he had. Um, but yeah, I saw. I saw. I don't know if it was a, on Facebook or Twitter about somebody that you you had screenshotted about the Darnold QBR thing. And here's my thing on that. Yeah, the QBR says forty-seven point two, but the QB the QB rating was one hundred two. That's the one that I personally look at more than the mm-hmm. QBR. The QBR is kind of a hard, really a hard grader, and it doesn't really show what happens. So there's three stats really that I look at in a quarterback. How many interceptions or turnovers did he have? Completion percentage and touchdowns. If you can get say two to three touchdowns, don't turn the ball over, and you're right around sixty-five percent completion or higher, you're probably going to win the game. And Darnold checked off every single one of those three boxes. So exactly what you said. You know, nineteen to fourteen, maybe the score was was not what people expected. But you got to think there was two tough times that that the Panthers had the ball in the red zone, turned it over. So that that game could have easily got out of hand if they just executed. It's it's week one. Those things are going to happen. And and, and I'll give them the the first one uh, in the red zone, the fumble where people are are debating whether or not it was Darnold's fault or the fullback's fault or whoever. I kind of split the blame 50-50. The fullback shouldn't have had his arms extended as far as they were. Darnold should have pulled the ball back before, you know, him doing what he was doing. It just looked like miscommunication. It happens. You don't want it to happen right there on the five-yard line trying to drive in for a score. But uh, Shaq Thompson bailed him out immediately. I mean, right after that uh, is when Zach Wilson throws the interception to Shaq. That, to be honest, I think uh, J.C. Horn was in the vicinity of it as well. So if Shaq hadn't gotten it, J.C. might have got his hands on it. Um, I like the fact that we didn't really hear J.C. Horn's name yesterday, which yeah. means that, which isn't a bad thing. That means he's doing his job. Whoever he was guarding wasn't getting off. So we weren't seeing a whole lot of J.C. Horner hearing his name, which was good. Uh, we saw Dante Jackson's second half kind of emerge a little bit. 
Um, overall, I, I just I'm comparing it to last year. I'm trying to temper expectations in terms of like overall. I'm just comparing it to I'm just trying to keep it all in like a, a glass bottle in terms of comparison, because I'm really only comparison uh, comparing it to what coach rule and the staff did last year. And I'm trying to see if there's improvement uh, just from the eye test. And from what I saw, I, they looked much improved on both sides of the ball. They like to have more talent. They look like they have more depth. Uh, they're younger. They look like they know what they're doing. It, it looked like first half of last year. They didn't know what they were doing sometimes. And especially the defense, nothing drove me battier than Phil Snow's three, three, six, whatever <laughs> formation thing he had going on where he had three down linemen and three linebackers last year. And then they would just literally rush like four. And I'm like, what do they do? Or they'd rush three. And I'm like, what are they doing? Like, they're afraid to go after the quarterback. That was non-existent on Sunday. Like, they went after Zach uh, Wilson from the jump off and really got into his head. And everybody ate. I love that. Like, everybody was getting back there. And if they weren't getting a sack, they were putting hands on my dude. And it, it affected the game. It really affected the game in the in the third and fourth quarter after the Jets made their defensive adjustments and uh, Darnold wasn't having as much success as before. It, it, it really affected the overall outcome of the game to me. So I'll take it. I've learned in the NFL. I'll take. I don't care who they play. If they're an NFL team, I don't care if they picked first in the draft last year. I don't care if they're Tampa Bay or Kansas City, whoever. A win is a win is a win, and you got to stack these wins because Carolina's schedule, the back half, is loaded with division games, and I feel like they need to get as many wins as they can right now before they cross over the halfway point of the season. Exactly. I mean, we we talked about that. I think either on the last show or the preview show about how important this this first eight games or so is so at the again at the end of the day it doesn't matter if you played the jets or you played you know the, the chiefs if you if you win the game that's that's a win in the books it doesn't matter what that who that opponent was because at the end of the season nine and eight is nine and eight and mm-hmm. four, you know 13 is four and 13 so yeah. There's no way. There's no poll. There's no, uh, you know, (laughs) just like there's no moral victories. There's no uh, just because you beat somebody by 35 points or whatever doesn't mean you're going to be higher in the division than somebody else. So (laughs) New Orleans, you know, they they go out and they hammer Green Bay 38 to three. No one expected that. But guess what? They're still tied at the top of the division with the Panthers. Yep. Yep. It It all applies. And that's actually a good segue, too, because I wanted to get over into things that you might have saw outside or seen or heard outside of Panthers Jets. Now, I know you were at B of A on Sunday, but uh, I assume eventually you got home, got a chance to check out highlights and things of that sort. What was the one thing that stood out to you yesterday from uh, the other teams playing or other games playing? What was something that stood out? Yeah, I think really (laughs) everyone has gone into this year falling in love with the Atlanta Falcons, and I don't understand why. (laughs) Me too. <laughs> I mean, I think it was I want to say, and I don't I don't think I'm wrong. I think this was Nick Wright that said he picked them to go to the playoffs. I mean, Nick Wright's gonna say stupid stuff like that, but yeah. <laughs> 32 to six to Nick Sirianni's Philadelphia Eagles. And I, you know what? <laughs> the tight end Kyle Pitts, yes, he's he's a great talent, but clearly that is not going to fix their issues. They have an abundance of issues. I've said before the year, I got them finishing last in the NFC South. They look way behind all the rest of the teams in uh, you know Carolina, Tampa Bay, and New Orleans in that division. And they could be positioning themselves for a top five pick. I, I don't get the love for them. 
Matt Ryan had a very, very bad day. Um, 21 for 35, 164 yards. They just could not push the ball down the field. That was, I guess, my number one takeaway outside of, of uh, Green Bay. And uh, the other one, I guess, would kind of be um, really Pittsburgh. You know, I know this is on the other side with uh, the AFC, but last year when these two teams played, it, the Bills dominated. And I, I had Pittsburgh making this one a close game on Bet Online. A uh, little, little ad shot there, but yeah. <laughs> um, but the Bills, I did not expect them to lose this game. I figured they'd find a way to come out and pull it out in the end. They didn't. Uh, Pittsburgh's off to one and zero start, so good good for them. You know, I, I was I'm actually the same way about Buffalo that you were talking about Atlanta. Although uh, obviously Buffalo is more talented uh, roster wise than Atlanta, has actually called Buffalo uh, Panthers North because it feels like there's a lot of Panthers personnel. Uh, guys that were on our roster, I think they signed Josh Norman, if I'm not mistaken. He may he may have signed with Buffalo. Yeah. Um, he's up there. Star Latulule is up there. Vernon Butler's up there, I believe. So, I mean, literally, if you want to look at the Panther defense from like three years ago, there's a lot of guys yeah. that are up in Buffalo right now. Um, I didn't buy Josh Allen completely. There was a lot of praise thrown on him for one year. I wanted to see a little bit more. Um, I totally agree with you about Atlanta. Kyle Pitts can't tackle, so I'm not really sure – how much that was going to help them because they already had a monster in Julio Jones, you know, to throw the ball to. They needed someone that could tackle, <laughs> and they didn't really go after that. And they're really part of the draft. So I'm with you there. I kind of had Atlanta finishing last in the division in the NFC South. Um, I, I can't dance around it, man. I'm kind of curious if Father Tom actually caught up to Aaron Rodgers while we were so uh, focused on where he was going to play or if he was going to play. No one really brought up the idea that maybe he wouldn't be able to play to the standard that he's that he's used to. I mean, except for Tom Brady, Father Tom is undefeated, and <laughs> Rodgers is going into what is like this is what year 17, 18 or something like that that he's playing. Uh, he did not look good at all. <laughs> he yeah. did not look good, remotely good. Uh, and I don't know if it's partly because they were playing the Saints, which uh, you know they have a good top ten type defense. It just it, his stat line just looks weird. It looks like a typo. Like when you look at it, uh, do you think that maybe that was a fluke because they were playing the Saints, or are we seeing the end of Aaron Rodgers here? I, I'm not going to overreact just yet because I think we've seen some of this before, and, and even goes back to last year when you know Tom Brady didn't necessarily have the greatest day against New Orleans either in the season opener, and they got blown out. Um, I think they ended up making that game actually a little bit closer. Uh, than the score would indicate, but I'm not I'm not buying it just yet. I want to see a few more weeks. I think they still got a very good roster, you know, surrounding him on both offensively and defensively. So not not gonna overreact just yet, but definitely not the Aaron Rodgers that we expected to see coming into the year. And maybe I don't know. Was there too much of this uncertainty in the off season that kind of distracted him? I mean, you, you don't want to say that, but I mean that that could be a factor. I wish I had turned – I was watching the Chiefs-Browns game uh, after Panthers so on CBS. I never flipped the channel. Uh, Packers and Saints were the uh, the 4 o'clock game on Fox, and I kind of wish I had flipped over just to see what was going on. I just saw the score getting bigger and bigger. I'm like, well, I'm just going to stay over here. This game is really good. But, uh, yeah, Rodgers, 15 for 28. That's 53% completion rate. Only had 133 yards. Uh, 4.8 uh, average uh, for per pass. Two interceptions. Uh, his quarter, his QBR was thirteen point five. Um, 
We'll see. We'll see. I, I just I don't know. Uh, I don't know that. And plus, their defense looked horrible uh, against New Orleans. And then on the other side, you've got uh, Jameis Winston. And I was looking at his stat line, and I'm like, it was really funky. I can't really figure out how he did this. Uh, so, seventy percent completion rate, hundred and forty-eight passing yards, five touchdowns. That's what I'm trying to figure out. Did they have a bunch? Well, I know Rodgers had two interceptions, so there's two turnovers right there. I'm just trying to find that they have like some fumble recoveries or something. Like, I can't figure out how he was able to do this. Uh, and not he, 146 yards. Yeah, and and one he had a 55 yard pass. So one of those passes was for like a third of the passing yards he did for the day. <laughs> so it's like I can't figure out how this worked exactly because uh, Alvin Kamara only rushed for like 80 some yards, if I'm not mistaken. So I can't figure out where the offense came from uh, for New Orleans. It looked like they just kept getting gifted really great field position and they just took advantage of it. But do you worry at all as this, uh, as we segue into previewing uh, Panthers versus saints uh, Sunday, 1 PM on Fox, are you concerned at all about Jameis Winston coming into Charlotte and tearing it up? Or do you think uh, the Panthers defense can exploit some of the things that uh, Jameis has been known for in the past? I wouldn't say I would be terrified because, I mean, you got to look at, you know, what the Panthers have defensively and they have the ability to, to generate a pass rush. They have some very good pieces in the secondaries. But I think the one thing that you have to really kind of key in on is Alvin Kamara. I mean, Michael Thomas, I don't think he played this past Sunday. I don't know what his status is for this weekend's game. Um, but clearly, you know, Kamara is kind of a, a – a copy of, you know, a carbon copy of Chris McCaffrey. They want to run their offense through him. And they the way that I think the Saints are going to win a lot of games this year, even though he threw for five touchdowns, is going to be of that because of that defense. Mm-hmm. So for Carolina, I think it's more about Sam Darnold, again, protecting the football, maybe controlling the time of possession, stuff like that, getting off the field on third downs, converting in the red zone. And, and when you get to the red zone, Get six instead of three. I think that's kind of the. I mean, it, it's all cliche stuff. But when you have to beat it, or when you when you want to beat a team as good as and as talented as the Saints, you have to do the fundamental things. And I think that's what they're going to have to do. I know it's only one game, but uh, it, any any good news is news that Panther fans want to hear. The Saints are number one in uh, yards allowed defensively, uh, only two hundred twenty nine yards per game uh, after that game versus Green Bay. The Panthers are actually tied for third in the league uh, for yards allowed with uh, two fifty two. So early in the year, you're going to have a matchup of two top three defenses in New Orleans and Carolina, and we'll be able to see which one is actually legit. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing our offense go against an actual defense and seeing how comfortable Darnold may be in it. Um, but before we go any further, though, I did one more thing I needed to read out, and it's from a new sponsor from uh, Play Action Pools. Um, our pod is partnering with PlayActionPools.com this season to bring some interactive fun to the sport we love the most. You'll be able to get in all the action with our PlayActionPools.com football pick'em challenge, which is open to everyone. Just um, sign up for our contest, Believe Football Pick'em, at PlayActionPools.com. Get your picks in each week. Uh, we're going to select the 10 highest profile games of the week between NFL and college football. Whoever gets the most picks correct each week will win a pair of electric sunglasses and a pair of DC shoes. So go to PlayActionPool.com, sign up for the Believe, that's B-L-E-A-V, football pick them. And if you plan on hosting your own football contest, just go there as well, PlayActionPools.com. They've got Survivor, pick them, as well as a cool sportsbook type 
uh, concept called Build Your Bankroll. Playactionpools.com, your new home for all office sports pools. Um, back to the preview, <clears throat> excuse me, Panthers and Saints, uh, 1 p.m. Sunday on Fox. Crucial game in the division early, week two. Um, I would actually try to rattle Jameis a little bit here. Uh, I mean, we're pretty familiar with Jameis Winston, him having come from Tampa Bay, the former overall number one selection. Uh, I would try to really get into his face and make him make mistakes. Now, I've heard all the jokes about, well, you know, he had the LASIK surgery, so he's not going to be throwing as many interceptions. And he's got Sean Payton. Sean Payton's not going to let him do anything crazy. I believe that if a defense gets in your face enough, that even a Tom Brady or a Peyton Manning can get rattled in, t- in terms of doing things they normally wouldn't do if they're hearing footsteps. And I think we finally have a front seven where I feel confident enough to turn the game over to them and allow them to decide the game. And it kind of sounded like Matt Rule was saying similar things in terms of why, like, for example, he didn't go for that 50-yard field goal in the first half on Sunday. He Or, or no, what was it? Yeah, yeah, they were like on the 33-yard line or something like that. It would have been like a 50-yarder. And uh, he decided to go ahead and just punt it. And he basically was like, you know, our defense is playing great. I wanted to pin him back there and and let the defense do it. I think there's going to be a lot of that going on Sunday where uh, they'll be filling each other out, but the defenses will be the stars of the show. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the Panthers have a defensive front that a lot of teams are going to fear this season. And I think that that's where you won a lot of games. If you generate pressure, and like you said, I mean, it doesn't matter if you have 20-20 vision or not. Football is a mental game. A lot, a lot of it is. Um, anytime you lack confidence, or if you have a couple of bad throws, you get off, you know, off balance a few times, and, and you make some bad decisions. It, it can start to be a snowball effect, and it doesn't matter how good your vision is at that point. It's all about how much you can overcome adversity in your head. So, I, I, I think the Panthers have a chance. I, I guess to kind of pull off the upset if we're going to go off the Vegas thing. Yeah, um, but I think. It's still a little too early, I think, for the Panthers to really make that big step and, and come out with the win. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take New Orleans here, even though I don't want to. Um, I think they're just better positioned right now to come out of the gate and get that divisional win. Um, and then quickly, um, I, I'll read off some stuff here real quick. Some NFC transactions of some sorts. Yeah. Uh, Tampa Bay just placed defensive back Sean Murphy Bunning on injured reserve, so that's huge mm. for Tampa Bay. The Panthers are bringing back. Uh, Rashawn Melvin and Corn Elder to the practice squad. And the Saints are also signing Montrevious Adams, defensive lineman. And they worked out two receivers, Kenny Stills and Marquise Lee. So that could be interesting uh, for this game up uh, this upcoming week. Still no word on uh, what was the deal with Michael Thomas and his injury? How long is he out for? Not sure on Michael Thomas. Like I said, I think it might be I, – I, it could be a week-to-week situation. I don't know if they've ever come out and said he's going to miss a certain amount of time, but um, – but, oh, and uh, the other one was Miles Hartsfield uh, for the Panthers. Coach Rule said today in his pressure that he's likely going to have to have surgery on his wrist. He's going to be expected to be out from eight to 12 weeks. That's why they're bringing in a couple of these corners. Wow. Um, I'm still over here just looking at the defensive stats from week one. Uh, and the Saints and Panthers kind of look identical in terms of what they did to their opponents. Um they, they're at the top one and two in terms of yards allowed rushing-wise. The Saints only allowed 43 yards rushing to the Packers. The Panthers only allowed 45 yards uh, to the, the Jets. And if I'm not mistaken, the Jets rattled off like a 20- or 30-yard run somewhere second quarter, third quarter. But I guess from the sacks and, and whatnot, that uh, that negative yardage drove the, the average down. 
uh, to 45. Um, I, I'm a stickler for old school football. Run the ball, stop the run. If the Panthers can do that effectively like they did yesterday, uh, I've always felt like if we get a 100-yard rusher and we can keep them under 100 yards rushing, we've got a pretty good chance to win the game, probably controlling the clock. And to me, against New Orleans, that'll be key to keep them off the field. Uh, you don't really want Alvin Kamara to to kind of get off uh, on you, but they they are vulnerable. They don't have their number one wide receiver in Michael Thomas. Uh, obviously, they don't have Drew Brees anymore, and we still don't know for sure which Jameis Winston we have. Uh, I'm not really worried about Taysom Hill and the, the gadget plays and all that kind of junk that they they can pull out there, but I feel pretty good about this game. I, I like that we're getting New Orleans at home early. Um I think the Panthers can win this game. I really do. I think they could uh I think it'll be close. I don't think there's going to be any games on the schedule where the Panthers are are, are going to blow anybody out. And that includes uh, even, you know, at Houston uh week 3, uh which is actually a Sunday. Is that a Sunday night game? I think that's a, a that's Thursday a night game. Actually, yeah. yeah, it's a Thursday night game. Uh so uh, you know, I'm not really too concerned about uh, you know, that, but I feel like every game I'm looking at on the schedule, I'm just kind of like, okay, all right, that those are all winnable games. I, I know, I know, we're playing the NFC East, and it looks like we're playing the AFC. North, uh, is it the AFC? East? Yeah, it looks like we're playing the AFC East as well. Yeah, no, is that right? Yeah, yeah, Dolphins, Bills. Okay, I didn't see, uh, didn't see Patriots on here anywhere, and I'm looking around for them. Week nine, yeah, there it is, uh, November the seventh. That's yeah. a 1 p.m. game. Yeah. So um, the schedule is pretty navigable. I, I do. I, I, but if I'm looking at the very end of it. Like I was saying before, once you get into December, it's uh, and they have a buy like right after it's like right after Thanksgiving. And then you've got Falcons at Bills uh, hosting the Bucks at the Saints at the Bucks to end the season. So it's like you kind of got to, uh, you know, stack these wins now uh, while you can, because it's going to be rough at the end of the year. Um, final thoughts going forward into this Sunday matchup against the Saints. Uh, things that you're looking forward to, players you want to see kind of show up that maybe you didn't see week one or continuations of. Uh, what, who or what are you looking to uh, see the most uh, Sunday versus the Saints? Yeah, I mean, I think the defense is pretty well set. I mean, I think the – I'm just interested to see how they handle that high-powered of an offense. Um, but – Individually, I'm going to go on the offensive side of the ball. And, again, it's that left side of the offensive line, Cam Irving, Pat Elfline. Are those guys going to be able to step up and, and do something so they can give Sam Darnold some more protection? Because if not, they're going to maybe shift some things around and maybe have a whole new different starting lineup by maybe week three. And then uh, same thing with, uh, you know, Jameis Winston, even on the other side, like you said, you know, he had a wonky, you know, stat line this past week where he only threw 148 yards and five touchdowns, but this could be a week where he throws for 500 yards and four picks. So you have no yeah. idea what to expect <laughs> from him. Um, and, you know, hopefully Sam Darnold will come out and throw the ball officially, make good decisions. And I think this is really kind of a good measuring stick or barometer kind of game for Sam Darnold. And I'm not saying, you know, this is going to define his, his time or his career or future with the Panthers, but – if he comes out, looks good, looks competitive, I think you can see that he could, he's going to be the answer. If he comes out, looks you know like a deer in the headlights, it, it could be a little bit of a concern. I'm wondering if Joe Brady is is trolling the league with the amount of times that uh, Christian McCaffrey touched the ball on yeah. Sunday. 
because I could clearly see uh, a different type of game plan against the Saints where they might try to spread it out a little bit more, maybe more on the edges with Anderson and DJ Moore, who had a heck of a game himself on Sunday. Uh, he had a sweet toe tap uh, catch early in the game, uh, kind of like pivoting in the air, like to find the ball and then having enough presence of mind to, to, to drag his feet. Uh, one actually might have been the best catch of the of the week um, that I could think of. I want to see them a little bit more involved. Didn't see a lot of, of uh, Chuba Howard at all um, because McCaffrey just had it going on. He was in there for a spell. I would imagine as the year goes on, we're going to see more and more of Howard uh, and that third down back kind of reserve role. Although, again, we already paid him the bag. He's 25 years old. He spent a year off. But McCaffrey might not ever have to come out the game, <laughs> which is which is a, a, a good problem to have. Um, I'm looking to see if the Panthers' defense can continue the intensity they had versus the Jets. Because then if they can do that, that tells me, okay, this wasn't just because they were playing, quote-unquote, the Jets. This is who they are. Like, like the best teams are the teams that make teams adapt to what they do as opposed to – constantly reacting to whoever they're playing against and you and you saw that throughout the league uh all sunday where some teams make you react to what they do the chiefs come to mind (laughs) like they they play their ball regardless if they're down 21 up 21 they're never seen they never seem to be out of it and then some teams kind of play down to whoever they're playing against or uh they don't have their own identity. I'm looking to see if the Panthers defense has an identity. I think they do. This will be the first real test for me. And I'm glad it's coming early because if confidence is a, a very nice smelling cologne. And if the Panthers defense can have confidence early on that they can play with anybody that can carry a team. Like I've seen it snowball, especially with Panthers teams where confidence makes them better than what they might are supposed to be on paper. And this would be a huge uh, booster shot for uh, not just the defense, but the the whole organization. So that's going to be Sunday at 1 p.m. on CBS. Uh, Panthers taking on division rival the New Orleans Saints. Um, you can find Skyler's work, uh, beat writer for the Carolina Panthers for Sports Illustrated. You can find him on Twitter at uh, is underscore Callahan, correct? For the rest of that yes. back. Yes. Okay, yeah, I thought it was right. Far enough, my internet went out there for a second. But yes, uh, Callan <laughs> underscore. Callan underscore. You can find uh, the Panthers site at SI underscore Panthers. And uh, for myself, you can find me on Twitter at uh, Dez, D-E-Z underscore 3505. Uh, you can follow Tobacco Road Sports Radio, my uh, platform online here in North Carolina. Uh, it's at Tobacco Radio on Twitter or just go to TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. The Believe Podcast Network, you can find at Believe Podcast on Twitter. Uh, there's pretty much a podcast for every NFL team uh, right now. So definitely go and check them out. Catch up with your favorites. Previous episodes on the podcast network, you can find them on Spotify as well. We'll be back next week, hopefully celebrating another victory Monday. Uh, let's see if the Panthers can get the 2-0 and and defeat the hated Saints uh, Sunday at 1 p.m. at the vault, Bank of America Stadium. We will see you next week and keep pounding. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. 
Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.